My name is Emilian Mori and welcome to our podcast, Warrior Family. We are a family of successful entrepreneurs, visioners, hustlers, and leaders. We are compassionate, loving, fearless, and determined. We fight for love, profits, and a better world. And this podcast was made for future leaders, entrepreneurs, world changers, and families all over the world. We gained our wealth by running one of the best network marketing companies in Europe and successfully coaching and speaking empire. Our stories, tips will show you that everything is possible. And this podcast includes all the best sales, marketing, relationship, personal growth, and health advice you can get and interviews with the most successful people in the world. Our motto is, my business is not my family. My family is my business. And we are here to show you how to have it all. Hi everybody, this is Warrior Family and I am Similian Mori. I know that you are all here because you are sure you can create and live the life worth living. But in order to do this, we have to do something about it. And my goal within this show is to bring you my guests, their strategies, their belief system, hacks, that you can make the life you want and live the life worth living. And today I have a special guest. His name is Sam Falsafi. He is from Iran originally. He is the lead coach, lead trainer of Wake Up Warrior Movement. And he kicked my ass when I attended a Warrior Week a couple of months ago. Sam, hey, welcome. Good to see you, man. Welcome, welcome to, to America, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> welcome to my show, Sam. So you said welcome to America, but originally you are from Iran. Yeah, yeah. My dad left Iran when, when we were eight or nine. At that time, there was war, so, you know, it wasn't safe because there was civil war as well, too. Mm-hmm. We had a number of bombs being dropped in the main city, and so it was... It's an untold story. There's, it's an untold story of the generation that lived through war, but no one knew. Mm-hmm. And a few got lucky, like my dad, and so he grabbed the entire family and we escaped from the country, and we found ourselves in Canada. Of course, I was a kid. I didn't know all this. Mm-hmm. Looking back mm-hmm. into it, now I see. And then, yes, that's where the culture is. And then uh, from there, in Canada, grew up and made it all the way here. But my culture is, is Persian, my culture is from Iran, and then, I, of course, I had to adopt another culture, which was a French-Canadian. So I lived in Canada for uh, two decades, and after that I moved to the U.S. And so, yeah, I'm multicultural. Mm-hmm. So let's go back to your first country. Mm. You said there was a war going on. Yes. You were eight, nine years old. Yes. Can you share some memories that were maybe painful and that made you who you are today? Sure. Perhaps this would be the first time that I'm sharing these uh, public. I did share some in my podcast, Mm -hmm. but the untold stories of the child of war are the numerous of children in Iran that went to war, believe it or not, ages between 8 to 12, Mm -hmm. 13, that were recruited in the streets to go and they were given the, the key to heaven, which is a plastic key that symbolizes the key to heaven, meaning that if you become a martyr, and you go to heaven. So that's how, that's how you get brainwashed. That's how you get brainwashed to go and fight for something that you don't even know. Uh, so they recruited a number of children uh, in the streets to go and they would train them within weeks and send them in the front line. Literally, there's pictures of that on the internet. If you Google child of wars, there's mm-hmm. articles and you'll find the pictures of these children in the front line, in the front line of a war zone with guns and machine guns that are bigger than them, literally fighting, not knowing what they're doing. And there is hundreds of thousands that have got injured and that have died. And if, if you go even today in Iran, in each family, you see there are two, three sons that are no longer there, but the rather you see their pictures on the walls. So yeah, it was quite painful. And I was in the middle of it, right? And I was getting pulled into this. And that's what my, my dad started seeing that there is no future in this place, in this, in this context, in this content where we were being taught. And so uh, he decided to risk everything. He was, a, he was a wealthy guy in Iran and he had to sell everything so that we packed everything and we left the country after everything. It was just nine or $10,000 and we, we went to the jungles of Malaysia all the way to Singapore to find our way, a path and a solution to somehow become refugees in Canada. Mm-hmm. That was the strength and the courage of my father to, to make a better life for me and my brother and his family 
and decided to give up his status and the money and everything that he had in order to find, like, he took us to a path of unknown. My childhood, as painful and, and as, as painful things that I've seen when I was eight and nine, all the way to, you know, all the way to Canada and, and even the, the transition of moving to Canada. It's not something that I visit often. In fact, I left it alone. Left it alone for, left it alone for, I would say, two decades or so. And then, you know, find my way working in oil and gas and, and as I came across Warrior um, and, and the message of Garrett and how I got involved early on with this, uh, it was an opportunity for me to kind of explore the strength mm -hmm. of that childhood and connect with it with no shame and guilt and really uh, draw the power from uh, the painful childhood that I had. And, and that power today thrives. That power today, the power of the seven-year-old in me is who leads the 42-year-old in me right now. Can you elaborate on that, that the child seven years old is leading the, the man that is 42? Yes. It's simple. There is, a, there is a version of all of us. Mm -hmm. There's a boy inside of all of us, a seven, eight-year-old boy that wasn't really polluted by the society, governments, religious organization, and any other type of entity, mm -hmm. uh, and even like your neighbors and others and the belief system that they put around you and what they expect from you, the checklist that you must attain to be, to be the man, to be the this person that is acceptable, mm -hmm. is the person that is nice, that is person that is compatible, if you want. There is a seven-year-old inside of us, you know, that, that knows better and that knows that there are no limitations. Mm -hmm. It knows that it's simple matter of just being loved and simple. Like, it is a level of purity that existed in all of us. And so when I go back to that and when I look at what was happening, you know, in my life at that time and how I was operating without any judgment at that time, I look back and I say, well, that's the person I want to follow today because mm -hmm. that seven-year-old had no judgment against what was happening. He was simply in the mix of what everything that was happening to, there was no bad or good. There was simply what was happening. And inside of that, it was day by day, everything that he was doing to just find a new path. Yes, my dad helped us. Yes, there's a lot of adults that helped the seven-year-old. But at the end of it, that feeling that you know that there is no right and wrong and you're simply are who you are, is something that, that through Warrior I experienced mm -hmm. and I owned. And when I own that, it gives me the strength of power of that seven-year-old that is able not to judge what is happening, but yet find solutions to problems and I think that's something that I take every single day in what I do and my conversations at home, and business, whatever that is. I operate by those simple rules. Is it always working? No, the perfection is a lie. But it, it's a constant reminder that the painful childhood, is, there's, there was needed to happen for me to have the power of, in which I operate by, by the same purity that that seven-year-old. You mentioned that your father took you to the path of unknown. Mm. There are many men outside right now watching this show probably also that they are in the land that is not known to them. What advice would you give them to find their purpose? Because actually you, find your, you found your purpose. Yeah, I mean, the advice I would have is the land, the true land is, is a land that is within. The travels don't need to happen on the outside. The travels need to happen on the inside. Mm -hmm. And this may not resonate with a young man that is 20-year-old and is listening to this. Uh, and like, there's a pivoting point in a man's life when you come across certain questions which in, you are committed to find the answers for. Why am I here? You know, what is my purpose? Who am I? And these questions take you in a deeper and deeper quest inside of who you want to become. Ultimately, you're asking the point of references so that the clarity of who you want to become shows up. So the land of unknown requires clarity. And to, the first step of clarity mm -hmm. is the starting point. 
And the starting point is truly whatever, whatever, wherever you are right now, I, the questions that needs to be asked is, who are you? Why are you here? And truly, what do you want? Mm-hmm. It is in that space and in that moment of clarity as you start seeking these answers. And these answers may not be as simple as just like, hey, I asked the question and the answer come to me. It may require you to do things. It may require you to have adventures. It may require, it may actually send you on a path of discovery. You ask yourself this question today, the universe will answer, and it may be a two, three, four, five years journey, or it may be a three-month journey. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know what's going to open up in front of you, but ask and you shall receive is the attitude that we have. And that clarifies the pivoting point for us, which is the starting point. And then once we see what we truly want through experiences, through maybe finding another guide and similar people that are looking for similar answers as we find our tribe and as we find the clarity on what we want i think the next chapter of that becomes the certainty Mm -hmm. Uh, do i have the certainty to go after what i want yes and no and am i going to train myself to gain that certainty and once a man achieves the level of certainty to go after what he wants uh, there's nothing that can stop that Mm -hmm. man whether you're a prisoner in the prisons of iran right now or whether you're a free man sitting in Canada somewhere, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Clarity and certainty is what declares what a man wants. Mm-hmm. A man could be very clear on what he wants in prison, and a man could be very certain in what he wants in prison, and a man mm-hmm. could be aware of his limitation in prison. Once you have clarity, you understand the limitation you are in, in which you're operating. So in that space, you can get what you want, so as long as you're very clear. So my only advice, if I may, mm-hmm. based on my own experience and nothing else would be, there, there is a chapter of clarity. For me, clarity kicked in about five years ago. And my, the pivoting point of that, it was the decision that I made to come to Warrior Week. It was the Warrior Week 5. I saw some advertising and something told me, I have to go and experience this. Mm-hmm. And when I did that, it was the first time when I saw some clarity in my life. And based on that clarity, I give myself permission I give myself permission for the first time to make certain decisions. And that level of certainty to give myself permission came originally from the clarity. But it was initiated and triggered by an event, by a guide, in this case, Garrett, right? And so there is a way for you that will lead you to the way. I happen to choose the warrior's way. Uh, But there is a way for anyone in the world right now. There is a way to lead them to the way And once you find yourself on that way, don't sit down. Don't Mm -hmm. sit down on the couch and don't wait on the bench. If you truly feel you're on the way, begin walking and marching. Because just to know that you're on the right track and just to know that you're on the right way is not enough. Mm -hmm. You have to start walking on that way. And that's what I did five years ago. And here I am sitting like five years later. I've decided to move. I decided to walk. I've decided to run on that way and it has expanded every areas of my life. Do you have trouble reaching your goals? I have a surprise for you. Download my free ebook goal setting for warriors at www.warriorfamily.com and you will know how to set, plan and reach even your biggest goals. So you used to be in the oil business. Yes. How did you get into the oil business and why? <laughs> initially, uh, initially, I got into, I got my diplomas in software engineering and okay. I started working in, uh, for a software company for track and tracing in a transportation company. Um, inside of that, you know, we worked a lot with tracking units and tracking assets, uh, which is the, the particular items and the inventory inside of the trucks. And that sparked an interest for oil and gas companies in Houston. Um, they did a pilot project with one of our solutions, a small company in Canada, five, six guys. Uh, we were an extension of a 3PL company and uh, we did our initial project with them and from there we did a few other projects and you know my mind started opening up into the need of this solution in that space and I met a very interesting character uh, in Houston his name was Ebezer a very good friend a very good friend of mine and uh, he, he was just a go-getter and he, we sat down one day and says Sam, I want you to come here and I want you to like build this division for me. I want you to build the oil and gas. And you know, I was a newly graduate and building and okay, this is exciting. So I, we moved, our entire family moved to Houston and for over a decade I operated in, in, in Houston in that space, 
just building on um, asset tracking for oil and gas, which ended up being a very, very interesting period of my life. I participated in the Gulf of Mexico BP oil spill project under the government of uh, President Obama, and we did a bunch of cool stuff. And I've built a, a significance and a character for myself, an identity for myself. Oh, I'm this guy in oil and gas. And, and then we moved to California, and then, and then all that was, uh, I let all that go that easily. That which I've built, I let go. I've let go in nine months. And it's not that it was painful. It's not that, you know, it was something I had to do but it was something I wanted to do. There was something else pulling me towards it. And that pull was so strong that letting go was not painful. Till this day, I look back, I'm like, how the hell is that possible? That was a brave decision. I think I reached, I look back and I can't label it as bravery today. Mm -hmm. But in that moment, I truly believe that it was, I was being pulled by something that was very clear to me that I wanted, that I want to be part of. And the more I give myself permission to take one step on this way, the more I was able to let go what was, what was simply. It wasn't bad, it wasn't good, but it was becoming what was. And this process of becoming was coming so clear. And a lot of stuff wouldn't make sense. It wouldn't make sense. Like to go from to go from being a top executive and traveling the world, having the significance of going to frontier Status. locations, going to places that like frontier locations in Europe, no road, no logistics, no partners, like truly feel that you're an explorer, you feel like you're an executive, the money is very good, so there's a significance. To let all that go and get on your knees and clean the bathroom and the floor of a warrior event so that the 15 guys that are in the event they have a clean bathroom the next day. Hmm. I don't know. It, it's not easy to understand. So I couldn't you, understand you have this status. Somebody told you about the warrior event. No, it was. How did you I get have, in well, touch? Hold on. I can go back and I can link it. I give myself permission to go and participate for the first time ever to Tony Robbins okay. UPW in San Jose. And that came because 20 years ago, a very good friend of mine, his name is Amir Shaigan, he's still here in California, believe it or not. We, we met in Montreal 22 years, 22 or 23 years ago. He gave me the tapes from Tony Robbins. <laughs> I got the tapes. The 22, tapes, the, the, the cassette. years ago, yes, I got yes. the <laughs> And believe it or not, I've taken the, 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 the transcription of the tapes, meaning that I listened to the tapes and I wrote them with my own on a small booklet called, it's in French, Cahier Canada. So those of that speak French, they know exactly what I'm talking about. It's a 30-page booklet that we all have mm -hmm. in high school and we all have, like growing in Canada, that's what we have. And that booklet, believe it or not, is in the office sitting right now really? in the back. 23 years, the ink is still on it. So that was the seed. That was the seed. 23 years later, the seed comes to fruition when I give myself permission to go see Tony Robbins in San Jose and spend $5,000. And that was a huge deal, $5,000 on me, right? Typically, you spend $5,000 on cars, yeah, jewelry, yeah. $5,000 on for me. The event. Okay. And then I go and I experience this event and it opens my mind. It opens my mind to this area of, you know, just self-development, becoming better, it was my, own, my first experience whatsoever. Prior to that, I was my own consultant and I was my own guide. And I was like, okay, well, I go to my dad a little bit and this guy and nothing. I, wasn't even, I didn't even have the awareness that of guidance that could come from um, gurus or other people that okay. have experiences. And then literally like four or five months after, or not even, like a couple of months after, I come across Garrett on Facebook at that time, it was just a guy going to the gym and yelling and just, you know, making his way out. And I'm like, I don't know why, but I kind of like this guy, kind of because he does the work and then he talks about it. Most people just, most people just go on, online and they, they all have these motivational things to say, but they never really show the work they're doing. And I was, I was following a bunch of people on Instagram, like a lot of guys with money, like wealthy guys 
they had like a variety of cars, and they live around all here in Orange County, variety of cars, wealthy guys. And the story was, hey, I was 16, I came to this country, and now I'm wealthy. But then the videos or the, the conversations were always like something generic. Oh, you can do it. Work hard and you will do it. And it never connected with me. I'm like, I don't get it. You can break it down. You have the ability to break it down and, and you have the money to break it down. So when, when people are actually listening, they understand. But you're, like, this is just, you're just putting something out for mm -hmm. your own good. You're not really putting out for, to help. And then came across Garrett, which was a different approach. It was a guy simply going to the gym, working hard. The, the minute he would finish that workout, he would come out. He would go live on his camera and he's talked about how you know, relevancy of what he did in the gym mm -hmm. and how that affects in his marriage and his business. And so he was covering everything, not just money, but he okay. was covering anything. And he wasn't really covering anything about himself. He was being himself. And I'm like, okay, I kind of like this guy. Follow this guy after a while. And then one day he comes up with a video, which was the first commercial Warrior Week that was offered. And he goes, there's eight seats available. And I was living like 10 minutes away from him, like, I have to go there, right? So I didn't even know what it was. But that's how <laughs> things unfolded, yes. right? I did not plan for none of them. But the seed, I truly believe, came in that blue... Uh, 22 years. Blue, yeah, blue, blue. When I took the time to write some stuff down. Great. Let's go back to this 22 years ago. Yeah. So you said, I gave myself permission yeah. to go to the event. Yes. There are many men outside. They think they don't need personal development. They don't need somebody to guide them. They don't need some voice from outside. Why did you resist so long this permission? Yes. First of all, no, number one reason was I didn't know better. Mm -hmm. Meaning there was nobody that actually told me this, what you're telling me. No one. Not my dad. So my dad became kind of my counselor, right? My, mm -hmm. my guide to go, right? But I wouldn't go to him for everything. I would go to him when I had conflicts. I would certainly not go to him with, with what was going on with my girlfriends okay. or my wife. Like I would just not go to my dad, right? And, and then specifically as I, as, I, as I lived in the adult life, uh, so I would just go to my dad for specific conflicts and problems. And then I would also go out to my dad and ask him about like, an overall guidance in my future and stuff like that. But there was never truly anyone in our family that truly advised on, that truly cared, let's say, mm -hmm. other than my dad. Like, no one, no one gave a fuck about me and my future. And I can honestly say I grew up in a very selfish family. Although very polite, and everybody loved each other, apparently, but it was very selfish. So beside my mom and my dad, the entire family never provided any guidance. And I, so I grew up in a shield, man. And I grew up in a shield where, with the mentality that we're good. We're good, and to be better, you just do hard work. We're good. We're, we don't steal from anyone. We're not dishonest. We're not liars. We're good people. We're nice people. And to become great, we just work harder. But I watched and watched and watched so many other people just like growing, mm -hmm. growing and thriving, and I never asked why. Never, never asked why. I just kept sitting and watching, thinking that, well, okay, if I work hard, I could also be like that. But I never asked what they're doing, why they're doing what they're doing, never even came close to understand what the purpose is. So that the only thing that was constructed in for over 22 years, if you want, was this idea that I, I just have to make enough money so that I can provide for my family and I can create some level of security and stability for my family. Above and beyond that, there was nothing else that was presenting and no one brought it to me. You said to build the security for my family. Yeah. And then you go to the Warrior Week event for yeah. the first time and you get the idea, this is my new path. And you go back home and you tell it to your wife what she says. So, it didn't happen right out of the gate. I went to Warrior Week, I experienced that, and I lived the Warrior's Way for nine months. Mm -hmm. And in that nine months, there are transitions that are happening. You know, I was in the process of selling my business, and that did not 
went as planned. I can look back today and say it was all my fault. I, uh, I wasn't clear on what I wanted and I wasn't certain. Uh, but then I would say that you know, I got screwed over. Like some investor came in and they completely screwed her over. And, but that was the judgment that I had then. Today mm -hmm. I can look back and totally own that I was not clear, that I was not certain, mm -hmm. and I don't blame anybody else that came in and took advantage of somebody that is not clear and certain. That's totally on me. Mm -hmm. But it, that was, there was a pivoting point for my life at that point, whether I wanted to go back and rebuild in oil and gas or reconsider that, what's priority for me? And I know specifically I was away 250 days out of 356 mm -hmm. from mm -hmm. my family. So I was in under the impression that I'm building for my family, yet I was away from them and this Worry Week prioritized that for me. So like Worry Week took family and put it on top of the list and everything else was a service to them. Mm -hmm. Not everything as a service and then I serve from the top my family. No, my family is on the top and I serve from the bottom. <laughs> and when that switch happened for me, I kind of saw like, hey, this is what I want to do. This, this, is what, this is what I want to live and this is what I want to teach. And this is, one of, this is the world that I want to be in. And that was the pivoting point for me to decide to, you know, go in this path and live this warrior's way that truly, truly changed everything. And so when I sit down with my wife and say this, what I told you, exactly what I told you is what I told her, you know, she didn't worry about the money. She just believed in what I said and she was totally supportive of it. Mm -hmm. She didn't show any resistance. And I would say that has been always, for me, that has always been the strength of, you know, my decision has always been backed up by her wisdom, by her love. And this has always created a massive amount of growth in our lives. Even moving from, from Canada to Houston, hmm. from Houston to California, she's always put her wisdom and her heart and her love behind it which fueled me to make those decisions with certainty. And when she said that, she said, if that's what you want, then we are with you. Truly felt like it's an unspoken loyalty that shows up and that gives you this massive amount of power in that moment. And nothing at that moment matters. And you feel like this, this you feel as a same part of same team, you feel, you feel that there's someone in the world that has your back. And when you do that, Things that you do has, mm -hmm. have zero doubts in them, and with zero doubts, like good stuff happens because mm -hmm. you're willing to actually do it. You push through everything that you would have perceived as limitation or hesitancy. When hesitancy goes away, some good stuff happens, and so hesitancy completely went aside and just one day built upon the other one. And, and so, yeah, so she was very supportive, and you know, there wasn't too many questions that was asked to kind of slow down the process. So, yeah. Nice, you mentioned that the men in the prison, they know exactly what they want. Mm. I think that we can be free, but we build mental prison around our potential, you know. What is the most common prison that we as a man build around ourselves? The most common prison that we build as men around ourselves is a self-made prison. It's actually a solitary. Mm -hmm. It's not a prison, it's a solitary. In prison, you have the luxury of going to the cafeteria, going outside, hanging out with other prisoners, and you know, exchanging some goods, becoming friends, exchanging books, build an empire, and inside of four walls, mm -hmm. you can become a fucking king in prison if you want to, or you can choose to be a peasant. Your choice. There is a kingdom whenever a man's is the kingdom is truly in your mind. The kingdom is not where you are. Mm -hmm. Being a king is a feeling. It's not what you have. It's simply a feeling. And when you feel that way, mm -hmm. then you act like a king. There's one thing that fuels a king, the feeling of a king, and that is unspoken loyalty. The minute you speak about loyalty, you're not really loyal. Unspoken loyalty fuels the kingship in a man. So, the biggest prison we create for ourselves is a solitary prison. This is a room in which we just close all doors and we are 
imprisoned by the lies we tell to ourselves. Mm. So it begins by us. The lies that we just tell ourselves, what we don't want and what we want, and how we feel and how we don't feel, and, and should we say these things and should we not say these things, and can I be judged and can, will I not be judged, and all the lies that we tell ourselves that creates really this prison. And then what makes this solitary truly a fucking cave deep down inside of the mountains is when we start lying to others. The biggest lie mm -hmm. we are telling to others. So now we begin by lying to ourselves, and then we take the same lie and we start telling it to the world. We repackage it a little we bit. We repackage it, we <laughs> tell it to the world. And so in, in that place, it's a miserable place. It's a miserable place because no man wants to be in a solitary. No one comes visit you. It's dark and there's no other solution but just, if you're lucky, to look out of the window and there may be a light of a moon shining. Mm -hmm. And if you're not, well, you have to find a spark because the only thing in that space is a spark, is a light that says there is a possibility to break free from the lies. And that's a process, man. Not, not like, okay. I mean, I, alone I would have never been able to find a spark. How can we break the, the lie that we are telling to ourselves first? It's very simple, yet very difficult for <laughs> many of us. That is to, number one, to stop repeating it. Not difficult, right? Stop repeating a lie. Like, just stop repeating a lie. Number two is to start telling the truth. Like, you literally tell the truth everywhere. And, I, and when you do that, you're no longer popular. No, you're when, not. <laughs> when you do that, you may lose a lot of people, and you may lose. But at the end of it, you'll find freedom. You'll find freedom in such that you're no longer hiding anything from anyone. And you must be willing to accept the conditions and the environment that you will create for yourself. Mm -hmm. But most of us are not. Most of us are not willing to give away the status, the friends, the popularity in order for that condition and the environment. And because we're not willing, we'll never experience it. And because we'll never experience it, we'll never know how much better it is. Mm -hmm. And then comes in opportunities for all of us to do that. Maybe adversity or maybe just a conversation just like this one two men talking and there comes opportunities for everyone to just stop lying. And maybe if you're listening to this conversation right now and there's a lie that you've been telling yourself and maybe it's this conversation in this moment, in this space, maybe it's time for you to stop repeating that lie and simply telling the truth. And these lies are not, these, not, these lies, they, they go years back. These lies, some of them are self-convinced lies that such as for men particularly such as that hey you know i don't need to feel anything like i just do hard work i'm all about being a man i'm all about teaching my family what the best is for them i don't really explore my feelings i don't really mm -hmm. talk about my feelings i don't i don't feel that i may be worthy to even be loved these are not easy conversations for a man to hear mm -hmm. most men will hear that and will say because they go to comedy or they reject the unknown. But the fact of the matter is, if you don't truly love yourself, you will never truly be able to give that love away to your wife and your kids. Mm. So you'll live a life thinking that you're giving love, but you're not. And inside of that, you live, but you never built with them. Mm. These questions sends a man on a quest that do I truly love myself? And in that quest, there's places that a man doesn't want to go. The solitary is explored in that place. You understand that if the door is open and you can walk out, if the door is open and you can walk, will you be able to be loved out there? And because most men don't want to risk that, they remain in the solitary. They remain in that solitary prison knowing that the door is open. Self-made prison. The door is open because they're afraid that if you go out there, 
they may not be accepted. And so they rather stay in that solitary alone. That's a quest that not too many men decide to go after. But when you, once you do go after that, and you have your own discovery, and you did that, and I did that, the world changes. Your worldview changes. Now you truly feel the love that you have for yourself, and you, you want that you want to give away. What you want is exactly what you want to give away. You want love, give it away. This is the golden rule. I don't know, this, this is the golden rule. It's been around for 5,000. Give that what you want. But most men will not give themselves that permission to go on that route. Because just the conversation in the past five minutes mm -hmm. to 90% of men listening to this across the world will be like, I don't know, man. This is like, this is some weird stuff. Well, <laughs> These guys should of... be putting oil on their nipples and go uh, <laughs> and sit on top of a mountain in Nepal. And uh, yeah, so uh, it can easily be dismissed. So that's why it can never be forced. Mm -hmm. It can never be come, like it's not coming from me or you or anybody else. Just like what I experienced with Tony Robbins. 22 years ago, started putting some stuff on the book, give myself permission to go to an event. That opened the door to look at Garrett. Mm -hmm. I step into that experience and boom, everything changes away. I find a way and I start walking mm -hmm. on that way. And that way has expanded my life. Mm -hmm. And same goes for anybody else out there. Is it the same route? I don't know, maybe. But I know there's many ways. What are some of the common lies that we are telling to ourselves? What we feel or what we want? Or so, you, yeah, you... the main lie is that we love ourselves. That's the main lie. That I accept myself, then I, lo then I love myself. Because we never question it. Here's what we don't like. We don't like to answer questions about us. No. We will answer questions about everybody else. You ask a question about us, we kind of don't like it. And most of us will provide just any answer. Any answer to dismiss the question and move on to the next one. <laughs> so the first one is, do I truly love myself? Second one we come across is, that, do I love my wife and my family? These are not easy questions. Third of all, third, third one is, what is my purpose? That I found my purpose, that I know what my purpose is. Fourth is that I know who God is, based on information. What is information? Well, it could be everything that I studied in you know, religious organizations or whatever that may be. Mm -hmm. That's all information. But there comes, a, there comes a period for a man that a man moves from information and seeks an encounter. Encounter is very different from information. At 2018, we are no longer in the age of, uh, like this is no longer the age of guessing and fate. This is the age of knowing. Knowing. Like knowing fate, knowing God. And it's, it's not scientifically experiencing, it's just an encounter. But a man must be willing to move from information about God to an encounter with God. Mm -hmm. Third of it is that we understand what our body is and what it's meant to do. You know, we take care of it for what? What is this body ultimately that we have? So we feel most of us, mm -hmm. most of us walk around pretending that we know exactly what it is. And what we never ask ourselves questions. And even if we ask our questions, it ends up around being healthy. It ends up being around working out. It ends up being around getting it weaponized to defend ourselves. But that's on the surface. On what is this body? What's in it? What's in it? What's in, what's in the body? What is this vehicle that we have? Who is in it? Who's the witness? Mm -hmm. Who's inside of it? Am I the body? Most probably I'm not the body. Because if I take my body and I throw it in a fire right now, I could be standing here looking at it. And that tells me that I'm not my body. I'm a witness. But the biggest lies we are telling ourselves is that we are not willing to ask these questions. And the minute we do, we start moving towards answers and answers, and it, the pieces of the puzzles comes together for us, not for humanity, mm -hmm. not for everyone, for us individually. And as that clicks, then we truly figure out, okay, I know why am I here. I know why I'm here, and I know exactly what I need to do. When you're in that place, like you're thriving, and it, Regardless of how much money you're making or what your production level is or, or how popular you are, truly when you feel this, 
you are in a place where you feel that you're a king of a kingdom and you in your mind and in your heart and in your manifestation in your life you will actually create that kingdom i meet very like many many women and they all like many of them they say there are not really real men out there hmm. what happened to the to the man well there are not really real men out there uh, define real the problem is real what is real man yeah what is real everybody has a fucking definition around yeah, real yeah. what is real what is real uh, a real is a perception of what they want to hear a real is a perception that is created in reality what is real is is the totality of a man mm -hmm. men are not showing their totality they're either showing their good side or they're showing the bad side hmm. rare are men that will show their totality here's my totality I own all aspects and all elements of, of me, and I'm 100% certain behind who I am. I carry no guilt and shame about who I am. That's what women are looking for. Mm -hmm. But we, we have these ways of, okay, if I show this piece, I have more chance. And if I don't show this piece, you know, I'll be better, I'll be better not showing these pieces. So we play mind games for ourselves with our assumption and justification. Um, and the women are trained this way today. They're not innocent into this. They're trained to look for only this. They don't want to see the totalities because we have trained them. We hmm. have trained them to see this part. So they come in and they only want to see this part. The minute you show this part, no. So they come after the money. They come after significance. They come after popularity. And when you show heart and love, and they're not really interested. And I'm not generalizing, but that's exactly what's happening. It's because we have trained them to go mm -hmm. after what we show. And so this is, this is primarily a man's issue. Because we ultimately screwed ourselves with lies. And hmm. then we have trained women to love that is not true. So they come after the things that they, they think they, they want that. But in reality, we train them to want that. So a real man, what a real man is, is it's simple. A real man is somebody that just says the truth in all aspects, doesn't hold back. And there's a real woman out there that, that truly wants to hear that. The truth. <laughs> yes. And so, and this is happening every day. Collisions between man and woman is happening every day and, and they're meeting. But the more and more you look at 2018, 2019, moving into 2019, we are living in a disconnected world where conversation, communication, physical collisions between beings, the biology of the, the, the connection is no longer taking place. There is a space that is covered by, and it's not even technology, but it's our patterns and behaviors around that. People don't go on the phone anymore, they write a text. Like, they're just the patterns and behaviors of connection between man and woman is cold we're in a very cold age my friend it's cold you're also a father you have nine years old son and yeah. 18 months old yeah. daughter yeah. <laughs> what is the hardest thing for you for being a father i think it comes back to telling the truth I've adopted an operating system for me in my house, which is to treat my son like my friend. And I've made that decision two years ago when I had this whole experience of my seven-year-old. And one day I sat down and I said, if I'm seven and he's seven, he was seven then, mm -hmm. then we're friends. And so if we're friends, then we have each other's back. If we're friends, we love each other. If we're friends, sometimes I listen to him, sometimes he listens to me. I said, okay, this could be a fair way, but it's a risky way because yeah. on the outside, this is not accepted. So when school calls and they send yellow papers and they say, Nikon has acted this way or that way, and I don't respond and I don't accept their stories and I don't fight with them, I just simply don't accept. I always come to him first and say, hey, what happened? Well, this happened, okay. Well, that's the version that I believe. I used to not be that person. I used to be the person that would believe everybody else before my son. Mm. The teachers must be right. 
the, the principal must be right, the family members must be right. But I never give him an opportunity to tell the truth. So therefore, what do I create out of him? I create out of him a pleaser now, somebody that wants, has to lie, so I believe him, if I continue doing that. So that was a pivoting point for my life, that he will be my friend, and he will be my teacher sometimes, and I will be his teacher, just like two friends are. Hmm. And that has freed me from any anxiety and worry about school, his future. So as long as I'm his friend and his mind, he's going to have a brilliant future because he's, he's a friend of all my friends. And I have many friends now in Warrior. I have over 500 guys that are my friends. That's who's going to be his friends. So the, this idea of need went away from me. The need, the energy of need that I would put on him eventually, mm-hmm. I, I took it off. I don't need him to be successful. I don't need him to be popular. I don't need him to be compliant with school. I don't need him to be compliant with religious organization. I will teach him. And he's part of my tribe. He's part of my people, right? And the people that believe in me, which is the same people that will believe in him. I am fortunate to, to have this massive amount of certainty behind this. And I would have never arrived at that if it wasn't for what I've created for myself and the belief systems that I've adopted for me that puts myself first, like building me first mm-hmm. before anybody else. I used to build for everybody else. Everybody else came first. Everybody else came first. And today, I come first, my family comes first. So yeah, so it's, it's hard to be his friend because sometimes... It's risky, as you said. It's risky. Like, you know, there's some stuff that... It's like, if I lie to my friend, I know he'll know. So if I lie to my friend, he will know. And so it's hard. It's hard as a dad. So you're like... Am I, am I lying or it's better not telling him? In that dilemma, I, I, can't, I can't sit here and say I'm perfect. I'm a liar too. Because even though I call myself, my, my, my son, my best friend, I'm still struggling with situations where like, I don't want to tell him that. And it's the old mentality and the old ways and the old society and the old, oh, you shouldn't do that. It's not good for him. I'm not totally free of that. I'm, that's where it's, it's difficult mm-hmm. for me. But I'm proud to be where I am today, which I have those kind of problems. Because five years ago, it's not that kind of problem I had. I would have massive other, I would have problems for him. He doesn't have any problem. I'm, I'm dealing with this kind of problem right now. Yeah, so. What changed when your daughter entered <laughs> your world? <laughs> <laughs> so, my mom, uh, my mom was over and, uh, and she was telling my wife, he goes, well, you know, you couldn't really control him. I couldn't control him, but this one will control him. And it's true. She became the, the bus lady and she's, she's the boss right now. And, you know, it's just very, it, it's, it, it's a miracle to see how they operate mm-hmm. at that. I couldn't look at that way. I didn't have the wisdom to see my son this way, but I, I have the wisdom today to just look and see how she's operating and she truly operates like a mob boss, like a terrorist. Like she terrorizes and she's organized. She has a vision, she has a mission, and she executes. <laughs> and uh, and it's, it's beautiful to see that, that, you know, how much of presence she has and how much we can learn even from an 18-year-old, 18-month-year-old. There are lessons all over us. Yeah. And like to watch that. And the, so it's, it's been a very, very, very warming and loving experience and learning to be able to see my daughter with that kind of eye, right? Mm-hmm. Six years ago, seven years ago, I wouldn't see this little girl this way. Are you already thinking about the husband that she will marry? Like, I am thinking constantly. You know? You're thinking about Yeah, my, my, my daughter, she is oh, now eight. Yeah. She's going to be nine and ten, and yes. then I see 12. I said, oh my gosh, she will, she will have a boy when she's going to be, I don't know, <laughs> maybe 14, 15. 
So I wasn't, I wasn't thinking about it until now. Now you planted the seed in my head, <laughs> just like Tony <laughs> Robbins. So I know I would. You will come to this when she's going to uh, be yes. around five, six. Yes, I me. think I'll have this whole set of new problems in my mind. Uh, <laughs> but I, I, if I would want a frame for her to select someone the only thing that would matter is someone that tells the truth because i know she will tell the truth so if she finds a person and she selects it based on those criteria um then who am i to interfere <laughs> yeah <laughs> so what do you think about the school system traditional school system look i think the traditional school system is is a system that works for decades it's been used and it, the educational system across the world has proven to provide structure, discipline, and as well as uh, inform and teach. And it's years and years and years and years of studying. With the recent discovery of e-learning, I feel that there's a lot that is being dismissed, meaning that there's a lot, there's thousands of years of data and best practices behind our school system. And even though some, some things may not work, we cannot deny this, this thousand years of structure. What we have failed to do today is to customize the school system mm -hmm. to deliver modern education. We are living in a modern age. We are living in an age of technology. We are living in an age of connection across the world. Within minutes, we are connected, all of us. Our educational system has not has not kept up to date with our modern way mm -hmm. of communication. And what I say by that is, it's not that kids are not learning about technology and this and that. It's the pattern and behavior of what we are adopting today mm -hmm. as modern men, both men and as well as our kids. We are all modern, very modern. We operate very differently from 10 years ago. 10 years ago, it used to be like, oh, let's say 15 years ago was mm -hmm. pagers. Pagers yeah. and cell phone flip-flops, and it was, connection was happening, but not like the way it's yeah, happening yeah. today. Absolutely. The information is traveling at a speed to us and is informing us. Our teaching is not at the same speed that the, the information is flowing. Our teaching was at the same speed for thousands of years because we used books, mm -hmm. right? So it was, it was able to keep up. Now it's, it's, it's books and e-books and audio books and videos and within a second, this information is exchanged. We haven't speeded up to catch mm -hmm, mm -hmm. the speed of the, the traveling of the information. Our teaching is not traveling in that speed. So I say that because that opens the door for a number of people that come and, and they can teach, uh, but they don't have to have a graduate graduation from necessarily from being a teacher but they teach what they know mm -hmm. they teach their experience they teach about life they coach they guide they train and these are there are thousands if not hundred thousands of these guides that are serving other human beings in the educational ecosystem that we have created that today yeah. it does not have the speed because it does not have the speed to help then as human, we had to come with solution. Mm -hmm. like it's just natural. So the extension of that became other humans and other guides. You can call them life coaches. You can call them personal cool. developers. You can call them, you know, trainers. trainers. There are a variety of people that are serving others and they've become the extension of this lack of speed to teach. What the future holds, I don't know, but I, that's why we see a lot of, lot of, a lot of other people wanting to help others, wanting to teach others what they know. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. How long you are married? It's gonna be uh, close to 18 years, man. 18 years. Yeah. In 2017, I gained around 3.2 million followers on social media. I earned more money than ever and got so many new opportunities. If you want to know how you can do that, Download my free manual, Social Media Warrior, at www.warriorfamily.com. So how do you keep your relationship fresh? 
Fresh is a very strange word. Or passionate. Oh, passionate I like. Or sexy. <laughs> oh, yeah. Or sexy. <laughs> yes. I like that. <laughs> fresh. Like fresh. Fresh. It's like, is, uh, like, I was just... like you bet yesterday. <laughs> you know, this is fresh. Now I think I know we have a very, very friendly relationship. Mm-hmm. There is nothing that we don't talk about. And there is nothing that we don't fight about. <laughs> so, so all topics are on the table. And we laugh together and we criticize things together. We gossip together. My dad said something at my wedding that truly became the frame for my marriage. And that was, uh, to live with someone is easy. To build a life with someone is very difficult. Mm. And he said that in Persian, in Farsi. And it truly made an impact on me. And I promised myself to always discuss this with her. Are we living or are we building? Mm. And if we're building, what are we building for? What, is, what are we building? What is the purpose of building? Uh, building for what? For who? And so having this open dialogue between us and having her trust inside of, inside of our relationship keeps things not complicated. I, my, my relationship is fresh as if it was 18 years ago. My relationship is sexy, intimacy. All this stuff is in place because I don't keep it calm. There's no complexity be, between us. There is no if I say this and this. There is simplicity. We are very simple in our relationship. Very, very simple. And we don't hide from each other. And... You know, sometimes it's no and sometimes it's yes. And most of the time it's yes. That simplicity and that there is no uncertainty in both of us. Like we're both certain about, about each other. And because we don't doubt, we, we never doubt. Never. Never in 18 years doubted. Doubted that she would lie or, or I would lie. That doubt doesn't exist. And that's, I think that's what gives us the power of keeping it fresh. And that keeps us, that keeps us simple. Mm-hmm. We're simple people because there is no complexity. There's no doubt that creates complexity. And so, you know, I see relationships that are very complex out there. I see relationships over 20, 30 years of being married that it's like walking on an eggshell and it's, everything is, is strategically said or not said. And I, and I look at that, not to judge or to blame, but I simply feel that we are truly blessed in the, the guidance that we received at the beginning, how to formulate this marriage. But truly, it was our nature as well, as human. Like, mm-hmm. we truly are both the same way. And that's why, you know, our level of conflict, yes, exists, but our simplicity always overrides it. So you mentioned, you mentioned your father. Yes. Is there any, any, anything that you remember from the childhood that he passed down to you? Like this speech from the wedding? Yeah. As, as long as I can remember, my dad was always like, my dad was always like the, the guy that would always provide wisdom and guidance. So I don't recall, I don't recall him being mean with mm-hmm. me. That's the one thing I could say with confidence. My dad was never mean to me. I never witnessed my dad punishing me or meaning, being mean to me. I all, like he was always supportive and I, and I kind of feel like he was my friend. I could, I could look back and that's what gives me this desire of being friend to my, mm-hmm. friend to my son. My mom was the discipline and mm-hmm. the person that would, uh, yeah, she would be mean and disciplined, you know, from a place of love, but she would have her ways of creating structure. Mm-hmm. Uh, but my dad never, never followed that. He would, he would always have the wisdom, and, and I, that made me listen to him. And I've always listened to my dad. And we don't speak as much nowadays just because we're miles away, and, but it's, it feels like we're always speaking. It feels mm-hmm. like his guidance is permanent. So I, I don't remember anything specific, but he kept, continuously kept, kept telling me like he kept telling me that to just like just be 
structured, just make sure that I'm honest, make sure that I work hard, make sure that I respect others. Uh, but he continuously said that. He never, like it, it just never stopped. And he would have thousands of ways to say it. Mm. Thousands of ways of say it. But I, what I can say with 100% confidence is that in each conversation that I would be engaged with him, there would be two components of it. There would be always a lesson and there would be always encouragement. Always. There would always be encouragement and there would always be a lesson. There was, even in stuff that we would like talk about and argue, it would always end up with an encouragement and a lesson inside of that. There was never, ever, ever any criticism to, to shut down anything or to pull it down. It, it, there, was all, there was conflicts, but in the conflicts, there was always encouragement and there was always a lesson. Yeah, I can, I can truly say that by my dad. What about mother? Yeah, my mom is just like, I would say my mom is just like me. She's just, she's love and fire. So, uh, <laughs> so she, she love you. She does everything. Like my mom is like everything. She does everything for us. She loves us and she like, she never stopped and never felt that she never had any love. And then when, you know, since business needs to be taken care of, business was taken care of. She's also very transparent, just like me. Like, it's just, if, if she feels sad, you'll know the sadness. And if she's feel angry, you'll feel the anger. So yeah, my mom has always been, uh, my mom is me. <laughs> I can honestly and proudly say that I'm, uh, that I'm purely an extension of my mind. If, if like, I am my mom, I am love and fire and as I am, and I wish I would be my dad's wisdom and maybe I'm working towards that, but I'm definitely my mom, so yeah. That's what, that's what mom was for me, was just a reflection of who I am. You said you are love and fire. I experienced fire more than love at the warrior week. You did? <laughs> <laughs> you got some love, man. <laughs> I got some love too, yeah. <laughs> yes. So how, how do you structure your, your day? So my day is very simple. Wake up 5 a.m., mm -hmm. take care of business in the bathroom, just what it is. Uh, and after that, I do this thing called stack, which mm -hmm. is basically a dialogue between me and me mm -hmm. for about 20, 30 minutes. I ask myself a few questions, and in that, I get some clarity about some topics, and it's just really um, my, my cognitive energy, mm -hmm. and my, I'm completely awake by that time. Uh, and then I hit what we call core four, which is take care mm -hmm. of four areas of the body, begin by you know, messaging my wife, my kids, letting them know how mm -hmm. I feel about them, work out, drink some green smoothie, meditate, and write down some, whatever I felt in my meditation, and then study something in my business, and then go what? ahead and declare it to the people I know. So it's a routine that, I, that we have here at Warrior, yeah. and it takes about an hour and a half, two hours as I start my day. Uh, I don't really want to be bothered during that time. It's mm -hmm. my time, and, and once that takes place, then the rest of the day is just it's just happening. Now, is it always like that? No, there's going to be days where, mm -hmm. you know, there's going to be days that that's going to be interrupted. But that's mostly the routine that, uh, that I have. What do we study right now? Right now, I'm studying about, mainly about spirituality. You know, I'm studying a, a lot about the, the way of the Spartans and how, mm. how, like, I'm trying to merge their discipline with, with another book that I'm reading on, on spirituality. And this is purely about, like, the, the witness I was telling you, the divine within us. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'm, and I'm in, in my mind, I have this little project that is merging the Spartans and the, and the yogis. Mm. So I'm kind of building in a lab <laughs> this mix of a Spartan and a yogi to see like where this goes. Like mm. what would a man look like if he would have the discipline and the power of, of the Spartans and the, uh, the light within of yogis so yeah, that's another thing that I'm reading about. I'm, I, when I read, I always, I, I, I consider going, at, going into the lab. So if I read or study something, I always like to look at it as I'm doing something with it. So I'm always have a pen or I'm mm -hmm. always writing. So I don't read fast. I don't, like a book, mm -hmm. I'll take me so much long, but I like to like bring it in the lab and extract some stuff from it and then like use my own experience. So. I have a lot of books, but it takes me a lot of time, long time to go through them because I, 
and it's not from starting to the end and it could be sometimes mm -hmm. just something that catch my eye and I work mm -hmm. on that. So yeah, that's what I'm working on right now, man. I hardly wait. For me. I hardly wait to see <laughs> on some next event. I have the last question for you. I call it the power message. Yeah. Last message. Just pretend for a while that you only have five seconds to yep. live. What would be the last message you would send to your kids that they would remember till the rest of their lives? Tell the truth. Tell the truth. Tell the truth. Sam, thank you very much. Guys, tell the truth because the truth will set you free. I will see you in the next episode of the Warrior Family. And thank you very much and see you again. Thank you. See you soon. Yeah. Welcome to America. Yeah. <laughs> Resources from this interview are available online. Visit www.warriorfamily.com and download the free book Lessons from Millionaires with all the resources mentioned in the interview. If you want to be a warrior who has it all, visit www.warriorfamily.com and download my ebooks for free. Learn all about warrior productivity, habits, mindset, marketing and sales strategies, confidence boosters and many other things. I promise that you won't be disappointed. More valuable content is waiting for you on my social media profiles. Instagram, Smillion Mori, YouTube and Facebook, Smillion Mori, Warrior Family, Twitter, Smillion Mori, and LinkedIn, Smillion Mori.